and sisters, you are tuned in to the worship service of the Greater Little Zion Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Murphy, and we welcome you to this wonderful worship experience. Sit back now and enjoy our music ministry as it will come and share with you from the spoken word by way of song, and I'll come back and share with you in the preaching of God's word. Be blessed as the word of God blesses your spirit. Praise the Lord, Zion. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, y'all. I just want to praise you forever and ever and ever for all you've done for me. Blessings and glory and honor, they all. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing. 
morning and welcome to this week's announcements. Fall is here and excitement is in the air. You know that means it's a special celebration time for our church and congregation. Starting this week, the Greater Little Zion Baptist Church in Fairfax, Virginia, along with our pastor, Reverend Dr. James T. Murphy Jr. and congregation, will be celebrating the 130th anniversary of this branch of Zion. The rich history of Greater Little Zion is truly a testimony to God's faithfulness that has been demonstrated from generation to generation. Let's just take a moment right now to give God hallelujah praises for his faithfulness down through the years. Amen. We start off this anniversary celebration with a virtual revival this coming Friday, October 15th at 7 p.m. The guest speaker is Reverend Martin Pickett, pastor at Faith Encounters Community Church in Vienna, Virginia. This revival will be followed by a 130th anniversary drive-through celebration on the parking lot of the church this Saturday, October the 16th, from 1 to 3 p.m. Pastor Murphy, our deacons and ministry leads will be there to give you a socially distanced greeting and wave. While you're there, you will receive an anniversary appreciation gift, a personalized Greater Little Zion tote bag containing an aluminum water bottle, hand sanitizer, and other items. In addition, there will be a photographer on site to take your pictures and to record your congratulatory video message if you so desire. The Deacon Ministry will also be passing out communion for our third Sunday virtual anniversary service. You don't want to miss this, so please clear your calendar and plan to be a part of this drive-through celebration. It would be greatly appreciated by the Evangelism and Missions Ministry if you would bring a non-perishable food item or items that will be used to restock the Zion Food Pantry. On next Sunday, to close out our activities, at 10 a.m., we celebrate Zion Day and this 130th year momentous milestone anniversary. Pastor James T. Murphy Jr. will deliver God's message from the theme, The Year of Recovery. Zoom information for these activities and services will be sent later this week, so please make certain you check your emails. The month of October has been designated as Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and the Greater Little Zion Cancer Support Team is highlighting this time to encourage annual mammogram screenings. This is the only proven method for the early detection of breast cancer. And remember, early detection could save a life. If you haven't already done so, please schedule a mammogram for yourself and encourage your family and friends to do so as well. Sister Denise Snowden is the point of contact for the Zion Cancer Support Team. Thank you if you've already donated a $25 gift card or gift cards 
to support the evangelism and missions ministry in their endeavor to provide extra blessings to families in need during the upcoming holiday season. Please note that Visa gift cards are still being accepted through December 11th. You can either mail them to the church or deliver them to the admin office on Wednesdays of each week. Don't forget, the Evangelism and Missions Ministry will be hosting their drive-through food distribution this coming Saturday from 10 to 12 noon, immediately prior to the anniversary drive-through celebration. As you can see, October is a very busy month in and around Zion, so please make certain you check your emails and the GLZBC website for the virtual activities and other activities in the community. Thank you and happy 130th church anniversary to Greater Little Zion. Have a blessed week. Lord, you are good. You are so good. Lord, you are good. You've been better than good. I can't praise you enough. I owe you my life, can't praise you enough, even if I try, cause you've been so good to me.
Zion family, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad within it. We want you to get your Bibles and join us again this morning in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 30 through 34. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 30 through 34 is going to be our verses of concentration this morning. We're reading from the New Living Translation as we have in the past, and here is what it says. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Continuing from our sermon on last Sunday is the title, don't forget the power of your reach, part two. Don't forget the power of your reach, part two. It's difficult to read this story of a nameless woman and not be pressed within our own admission of the presence of at least three things that come alive in this story. Imagination liberation 
and salvation. Three things that you just cannot ignore in the context of this story. This woman is living in what some would define as an assumed no-win situation. She is suffering socially. She's suffering psychologically. She knows that she is a contaminant based on society's standards. Her condition is even more compounded because she has become economically impoverished after wasting her resources on the fruitless cares of the physicians who could not heal her. However, when you read the story, something revolutionary occurs when she engages her mental gymnastics of thinking. Says verse 28 of this fifth chapter of Mark, if I can just touch his robe, can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall get well. I will be healed. I think it's important that whatever translation you read, one translation suggests that in the touching, she will eventualize in her healing. The other suggests that when she touch, she will be healed. I'm, I'm moved by the text, and particularly because I'm thinking about what it means to think. When she says, the text says, she thought to herself. That reminded me of the words of Martin Heidegger. Heidegger has correct when he noted that thinking involves not only man's receptivity to being, but also being receptivity to man. Well, let's unpack that. Thinking is remembering who we are as human beings and where we belong. It's the gathering and the focusing of our whole selves on what lies before us and a taking to heart and mind these particular things before us in order to discover them in their essential nature in truth. It's about recognizing the holistic nature of who we are and how in God's divinity we have been made to be not only in the image of God, but to also carry out a destiny into which God has assigned us. But let's not misunderstand that, quick, that thinking also means there's an involvement of questions. Questions that, that not necessarily is a means to an end, but instead those are questions that bring about self justification, self-justifying. It really means that to think is to be underway. It means that I'm going to begin a process of evolution in the thinking because the thinking is going to unveil unto me what it is that I don't know and what it is that I need to engage in to gain insight into who I am and what it is intended for me to be. Can you imagine, can you imagine in her mind the potency? Can you imagine the power that begins to take place in her decision to think? No doubt she had to overcome a number of multiple barriers to get through her thinking process. 
there were those social barriers that had attacked on her status that rendered her less than. There were economic barriers that, of course, after she had spent all, now she is in the category of the impoverished. There were political barriers where she was a member of the have-nots. She had no voice to speak, and therefore she was considered to be voiceless. There was the religious barrier. The religious barrier had her blood issue rendered her membership in the temple non-existence. She was unable to participate in her church worship or church fellowship because of religious barriers. More importantly was the mental barrier. The mental barrier she had to deal with in dealing with all of the previous barriers that she had to conquer. Getting over those critical attacks in her mind of fear. One thing I think perhaps she may have wrestled with in dealing with this issue of fear is a tension between two thoughts. Thoughts being A, I can forget everything and run, which just simply means everything that's happened to me, I can simply forget about it and run in an opposite direction, never considering what my liberation could possibly be, or I can face everything and rise. I'll say it again. Because those are two thoughts that you may likewise wrestle as tension in your own life. I can forget everything and run. Just run away from my problems, run away from my trials, run away from my tribulations, run away from my frustrations, and never consider or I can go on the other side and I can face everything and rise. Rise to the occasion, rise to the challenge, rise to the newness of life, rise to all of the possibilities. This woman, I want to contend, wrestled perhaps with that contention in her mind. And what happened, what engaged was that first thing, her imagination. She decided to face everything, and rise. What did she face? She faced the religious crowd, which involved the disciples who were protecting around Jesus because the crowd was pressing in on him. She faced the social barrier, as we said before, the economic barrier. She faced the political barrier. But she decided to face it all and rise. She had made a decision that in the rising, the disease that was trying to conquer her life would not be the conqueror. She made a bold decision that I'm going to go forward and reach for my newness of life. I'm going to reach for it to see what the end is going to be. She used her imagination to fight over the barriers and that's what I want to challenge you to do this morning fight to overcome your barriers and decide to face everything and rise but what did she do she saw it I'm convinced that she began to think about that in her mind how that would look her current condition and then her future condition and made a decision that her future was far more brighter than her current condition.
Perhaps her inspiration came from hearing about others who had touched Jesus as well. She's not the first to reach out and touch him. Mark chapter 3 and verse 10 tells us that many who had suffered from diseases had pushed their way forward in a crowd to touch Jesus, that they too might experience healing that could flow from his body. Mark says that Jesus healed them all. They too must have thought to themselves as the woman did, if I can just touch who he is, I will be made well. And like the woman, they opted to use their imagination and saw their life in a new state. And how accurate are the words of George Bernard Shaw when we think about the usage of the imagination. He says, I quote, imagination is the beginning of creation. Go back to Genesis chapter 1, and you can there eyewitness God using God's imagination to begin in the creation of the world. Let there be, and there it was. God saw what he wanted to come to pass, and there it was. And the text is encouraging us, likewise, through George Bernard Shaw, imagination is the beginning of creation. She saw her life being healed. Can you see your life being healed? Can you see yourself being set free? Says Shaw, imagination is the beginning of creation. You imagine what you desire you will, you will, you will, I'm sorry, you will what you imagine. So you imagine what you desire and you will what you imagine. She willed within herself, borrowing from the words of William James, her will, her desire, her pursuit of seeing her life change, decided, pushing through the crowd and reaching and imagining herself reaching was far more profitable than just remaining or, as we said previously, just to run away and not face anything. But what does Bernard Shaw continue to say? You will what you imagine and at last you create what you will. And she did that. And my question to you this morning is, are you using your imagination to see your way out of where you currently are and then see your way into the new season that lies before you? So the woman engaged imagination that enabled her to be able to begin to eyewitness in her, in her mind what she could do in the reaching and the touching of the hem of his garment. She saw it. And when she saw it, when she used her imagination, the woman imagining herself healed, then wield her reach for liberation. Not just imagination, that's where it starts, but then she wields her reach for liberation. Now, what do we mean by liberation? Well, in the words of the home letitian James Harris, liberation is about transformation. 
It's the condition of one's mental and physical existence, meaning it has been altered. It has been transformed from one state to another. Liberation is a precondition of transformation. So in other words, she had to liberate her mind before she could actually liberate her body. And so what did she did? She saw it, then she reached that she might experience the change. This means that before one can actually change one's life or one situation, one needs to be free to do so. But in order to be free, you have to face everything and rise up. A new consciousness. This is what liberation is. It's about a new consciousness and a new mentality. That's what that woman birthed into her reality. Two pieces of wisdom for you to regard this morning in reference to the idea of reach. One, highly suggested, never stop taking a risk, just keep reaching. In other words, even if you reach and you miss your mark, you never stop but you continue to reach because the aspiration in you wants to help you see, fulfill the destination to which your imagination has desired and designed. So you never stop taking a risk, but you keep on risking, you keep on reaching. And then second from Napoleon Hill, it's always your next move. See, because even after going through the mental gymnastics in her mind, it is still now left for her to make the next move. And the next move is, once I saw it, now I must pursue it in order for it to become a reality. And what does she do? She risks it all and follow through on the next move. In reaching, she touched the liberator who summonsed in her touch divine healing from his body. Says verse 30, he knew it, says the Bible, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. Realized it, why? Because that touch was not like the other touches all around him. As I said before, in Jesus' words, he not only realized that someone unusual touched him, but what also was amazing is in the touching, it so moved him that look at the text. He turns around and asks the crowd and in the crowd, who touched me? Who touched my robe? He mystified the disciples by asking who touched my robe Therein lies the divine nature of Jesus that came out. See, the human nature would not have known it because everyone is touching him. The touches were multiple, but the divineness of who Jesus is. If you're ever looking for a text to sort of solidify that Jesus is both God and man, here it is. Because in this text, something divine recognizes the unusualness of faith reaching out. And he says, who touched me? 
and the disciples are blown to pieces. He mystifies them. That divine nature distinguished that particular touch from others, and the disciples responded probably the only way they could. How are we to know who touched you? There's no way we can know that. Look at all of the people, everyone that's around. Look at verse 31. Look at all the people that are around. How can you ask us who touched you? What I like in verse 31 is the use of the word, the crowd is pressing. The word pressing there is also in a Greek, in the Greek word, it means uh, it has reference to how you would make wine, which means that you would put grapes in a barrel and you would begin to step on them and press them or you would use a press to squeeze out all that you can from the grape. And they were squeezing in on Jesus, pressing in on him that they might get all that they could out of him in terms of healing. And that's what's happening in the life of this woman, she's stretching. The people are eager because they want to be healed around, but, but none like this woman touched. The disciples couldn't explain it, what was happening, because they themselves were shocked at the moment of being unable to explain how the power of God was moving in this moment. It's not the first time that they've been shocked by this. In Mark 4 and 41, the Bible says that they expressed the same kind of shock when witnessing the unexplainable power of God through Jesus as he responds to the elements of a storm. They were afraid, and as they were afraid, when the storm calmed by the words of Jesus, they looked at one another and raised the question, who is this man? where even the wind and the waves obey him. They tried to explain away what Jesus experienced as the crowd, but verse 32 says he kept looking around because he, he felt that someone did more than just imagine. Somebody wanted liberation. They recognized that it took more than just imagining, but they stepped out and they recognized that they needed liberation. And so Jesus says that he realized that somebody had reached out to touch him, but somebody also realized the power of their own reach and they did it. I've heard it said that men or that men rarely reach for what they need but they'll always reach for what they really want. Men rarely reach for what they need, but they will always reach for what they really want. Here's the question. Do you really want it? Whatever it is, whatever it is that you are praying about, laboring about, fasting about, believing about, do you really want it? Do you really want to be liberated, set free? Are you really willing to reach for it? If you really want it, and if you really want miracles and blessings in your life, you got to be willing to reach for them. Here's a powerful quote that I read, and I thought it was life-changing in reference to the story. 
I quote, the grapes of blessings are never placed within your mouth. They are simply placed within your reach. I'll say that again. The grapes of blessings are never placed within your mouth, but they are simply placed within your reach. In other words, that quote says to me that it's right there before me. Not only do I have to imagine it, but I've got to reach to experience the liberation from it because I've come to learn that God respects a reacher and God rewards a reacher. How do I know that? Look at the biblical history. David reached in defeating Goliath and God rewarded him with a victory. Elijah reached at Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal and God rewarded him with a victory. In his dying moment, Samson reached for victory over the Philistines and God rewarded him. Ezekiel reached in a valley of dry bones and yes, God rewarded him with the valley coming in the dry bones to life. And can't you see the Savior Jesus reaching at Calvary that we may gain victory because of his reach and God rewards him with the resurrection on Sunday morning. Jesus knew that the intensity was within this person, whoever reached, based on the power that flowed from him. How intense is your reach this morning? How intense is your will? How intense is your reach and will for your liberation, for your dream to come to pass? I read another quote that says, you must despise where you are before you will ever be where you want to be. You must despise where you are in order or before you will ever be where you were, where you want to be. That, that statement right there, let me say it again because I know it's so potent. Let me say it one more time. You must despise where you are before you will ever be where you want to be. That was someone's moment of liberation right there. That was the impetus you needed to start thinking differently about your life. This woman had 12 long years to think about it. And one day she made a decision. How long have you had? You've got to possess more than a need for your miracle. You must possess true desire, enough desire to reach. And your desire will always make you go the extra mile, push a little harder, and reach a little higher. That's the fascinating picture of this story about this woman. As I said before, she had 12 years of constant decline and decided one day enough is enough. I'm going to face everything and rise. And then she reached to capture her liberation. And when we read the story, when she used her imagination 
and decided to reach for her liberation, look what God does. He grants her her salvation. I'll say it differently. The day you use your imagination to envision your liberation is the day you will usher in salvation into your life. Observe something critical in this story that can easily be overlooked. And when I read it, I got excited because I couldn't believe it that I had never saw it before. Salvation is about rescue. It's about being rescued and being delivered. Sometimes though salvation, listen to me now and follow me, takes time to evolve in terms of the form of the miracle. Have you ever noticed that some people who become new Christians <clears throat> and it takes a while for their life to transition and for things to come together in them, uh, even though they are born again, but yet the evolution of the new life is slow and it takes time for them to lay off some things and to take on some things. Watch what happens in the text in regard to the woman. This is how I know sometimes the, the miraculous very well may take time to evolve. The text says that when she touched Jesus, immediately she was healed. There's no question about that. Let's go back. Go back to verse 29. She reached out and touched him. Look what the text says. Immediately the bleeding stopped. But here it is. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. She knew it. She knew that she could begin to feel this transformation taking place as a result of her reach. But watch what verse 33 says. The frightened woman, here it is, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her. Now, the miracle had taken place, but it took her a while to catch up with what had transpired in her life. Why? I think because fear had intervened to cause her to stop believing that her reach was effective. See what verse 33 says? It says to us that the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her came and fell at his feet and told him all that she had done. Fear had tried to creep in and tried to sabotage what her imagination and liberation had brought about as a result of her faith. Now, the woman also could have had fear for several other possibilities. One, she could have felt guilty for violating the Jewish purity regulations as one who was with a cultic uncleanliness and dared to touch Jesus. Remember, he's a rabbi. Two, she may have been concerned that she has illegally stolen power from Jesus and fears that her plague might pass on to him in some way. Three, she may have expected a scolding instead of a blessing because remember as I said, Jesus is a rabbi 
and she violated the law by touching him. But what happens? Jesus takes an unusual posture in this woman's response. Look at what the text says. He says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. That says to me that Jesus decided that he wasn't going to permit fear to be victorious in her life and he more importantly refused to allow this determined person for salvation, here it is, to remain anonymous. Remember, he's looking, asking in the crowd, who touched me? And no one knows. And then finally she steps forth and he says, I'm not going to let you remain anonymous just because of fear of what you had done. So what does he do? He focuses <clears throat> the issue, or should I say he forces the issue, so that when she leaves him, she leaves him from his physical presence healed, she will leave knowing the one who healed her. She will also leave knowing that the healer cared enough about her to discover that she was worth taking time to identify, pinpoint her issue, and healed her. All that through the reaching and the touching of the hem of his garment. And his response recognizes her humility as she bows down to his feet and says to her daughter, you daughter, you child of Abraham, you precious daughter of God, be encouraged. I know the text says your faith has made you well. Be encouraged, says one translation. It's all good. I am impressed. I am overcome with excitement in your not only imagining your healing, but reaching for your healing and then waiting for your salvation. You got it. And maybe Jesus is saying to you this morning, when you imagine it, start reaching. And when you start reaching, you're going to receive that salvation, that deliverance. And when you do so, Whatever you do. Now, you might ask the question, how do I know that it's salvation? Well, when you read the account in Matthew 9, 21, 22, in Luke 8, I think it's around the 48th verse, the Greek word that's used there, get well or made well, is the single Greek word sozo. Sozo is used throughout the New Testament as the word for salvation. It gives birth to what we call soteriae which is salvation, soteriology. We call that the doctrine of salvation. This woman gets the salvation that she needs. You have been saved, daughter, because you refuse, here it is, to stop reaching even after 12 years of anguish. You obviously never forgot the power of your reach. So he tells her, shalom. Go in peace. Be reunited with your family. Be reunited with your church family. Be reunited with those you love. And most importantly, be reconciled unto God. So what are the lessons learned in this text? Then I'm done. 
Number one, the woman stepped out of her restrictions, not knowing what the outcome would be, but she at least saw something new in her imagination. Sure, you can stay where you are and be complacent, but I challenge you, do as this woman, step out, take the risk, reach, and if nothing more, you get a chance to see something new. That's what she done. Secondly, she fought through the restrictions of the disciples and the crowd just to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. As I said earlier, the disciples were there around Jesus to protect him, to keep the crowd from pressing on and injuring him. Now, in the humanist sense, we might contend that did he really need that kind of protection? Well, that's possible. But in the divine sense, he's God. He doesn't need that protection. And sometimes you have to fight through where other people have placed up barriers to keep you from getting to where you need to be. You got to fight through it. That's because they want you to be restricted. And when they restrict you, it disables you from becoming all that you know you can be. You got to fight through just as this woman did. She made her way through the crowd. Third, be patient as God unfolds the miraculous moment. As I told you, there is a difference between verse, 30, verse 29 and verse 33. Immediately she was healed, but it doesn't seem until we get to 33 that there's a realization that I've been healed. And sometimes I think God takes that time to help us adjust to that newness of life. Number four, always remember being blessed requires bypassing being anonymous. <laughs> there are many times you're going to read in the Gospels where Jesus heals and he tells them that don't tell anybody, just go your way. But we're never given that challenge as New Testament saints. We're always encouraged to proclaim the good news, tell the story, tell what God has done within our lives so that someone else can garnish the courage to reach and experience that liberation and salvation as well. And then finally, never underestimate the power of your reach. It can go higher than you ever can imagine. Don't forget the power of your reach because at least this woman, and I think many of you can testify, when you're willing to do so, God's got salvation waiting for you. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the opportunity in sharing. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will continue to bless us in a very mighty way. I pray today, Lord, that someone harnesses the strength and the power from this text to not only imagine themselves being free and walking in the newness of life, but stretching and reaching out that they might experience that moment of transformation then salvation will come to their house and all they can do is shout and praise you from whom all blessings flow. Thank you for changing someone's life today. Thank you for saving someone that calls on your name. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. And all over the world, all over this world, somebody today, I don't know if they're viewing this broadcast or not, but someone today is going to hear the gospel and they're going to make a decision. I want to invite you 
if you are in a state in which your life has been in constant turmoil and you've never made a decision for Christ, I want to encourage you to sort of take a moment and imagine what would it mean to have the Lord Jesus in your life and then reach, he says to us in the Gospel of Matthew, come unto me and I will give you rest. All of you who are heavily laden, let me give you rest. I have a yoke that you can take. It's light and its burden is easy. In other words, embrace the newness of life that God has and you'll see salvation come about in your life. If that is your decision today, stop, drop us a note. There are ways to contact us via um, whether it's text messaging or whether it's by email. Let us know so we know that God is working in your life and even share with us your tremendous stories about how God has worked out miraculous moments for you. We're always excited about the great things that God is doing, and we are excited, of course, to announce that next week, next week, beginning on Friday, we will have our annual revival here at the Great Lausanne Baptist Church virtually. You will be receiving an email in reference to the link that we might witness that, and we are looking forward to sharing and the good news of our Christ. We're having a guest preacher and we're having guest musicians as well and psalmists to sing the word of God for us. So I want to encourage all of you to tune in to our YouTube broadcast on next Friday evening at 7 p.m. that you might witness our Friday night revival service. And then on next Sunday, October the 17th, I think it is, is our annual church celebration. We will celebrate 130 years, 1891 to 2021 is 130 years, and we are looking forward to a great time of witnessing and testifying of God's goodness of how God has blessed us. Generally, I bring in a preacher, and we share in the word of God on that day with a guest preacher, but this Zion Day, I want to share with you some words of encouragement for how we have traveled from last year in the beginning 2020 March to where we are now here in October. And I wanna give you some very encouraging words and some affirming words of how blessed we have been over this last year and a half in the COVID season. So I wanna preach about the COVID season and how God has brought us safely thus far. We've arrived at 130 years and we wanna celebrate to the newness of life. So invite your friends Invite your family members, tell them to tune in to our YouTube broadcast next Sunday morning as we're going to share in our annual church birthday celebration. And I even want to talk a little bit about our founder, the late Henry Bailey, um, because there were great things and interesting things happening in 1891, and yet here we are in 2021 still telling the story about Jesus Christ. So again, you'll be hearing about that in the coming week and we want to encourage you to tune in and please participate uh, that we might experience this glorious moment together as well. Well, my time is up, but I certainly want to thank you as I always do for not only supporting this ministry with your monthly gifts and your weekly gifts. Thank you so much for your tithes and offerings. Please continue to do so. We cannot exist without your support. It's my desire to continue to share the word of God with you, and I thank God that we have been blessed to do this on a weekly basis. So I encourage you to continue to do so. 
But we also want to say to those of you who have not, if you've never made a contribution, please do so. For again, it's our privilege to be able to do this, and it gives us an opportunity to do more when we have the necessary support that we need. Well, I want, as I always say in my closing moments, always remember, God loves you, and so do I. And I want you to have a blessed, wonderful, spectacular week in the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh,